0: Greetings and salutations out there, sports and wrestling fans, all across the wide and wonderful internet. It is I, yes, your glorious yet humble host, Michael Shibley, with you here from the brand new Outlander Media Studios for my solo edition here of Modern Day Gladiators. Hope you guys have had a great week. We've got plenty of sports news, as we always do, to break down. Of course, we've got the World Series is about to get underway. It's just a few hours from As we are recording this, so if you want my picks, you better listen to it right now, so we'll get to that in just a second. And of course, some really cool things going on in the world of sports with shibbles and bits. We've got some great stories lined up for you there, including a crazy golf story that you guys need to hear to believe. It makes me feel better about some of my golf scores and some of the penalties that I have to take when I'm out on the links. But of course, we have to dive right in first to the college football playoff picks that I've got after we just finished a crazy week eight of college football. My goodness, you've got, of course, my playoff four are now as like this if it was to end today. And again, this is going on again. My top picks, if I had to pick it based on playing performance right now. So I've got still number one, LSU. And then you've got Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. So those would be my four picks for the playoff if it started right now. Of course, Wisconsin has taken themselves out of a pretty big portion of the running because, again, they fell 24-23 to with a field goal at the buzzer to 31-point underdog Illinois, which, again, is just amazing when you look back and see, especially because I think Wisconsin – if you look at everything that happened with them, my goodness, I don't think Illinois had a play inside the red zone throughout any of that whole game, which was just amazing to see. So Wisconsin now has an uphill climb when they have to go to stuff. Of course, again, they are still playing without a net. They've they've suffered their one loss. This is pretty much all they can do at this point is get this loss, and now they... They just Now they just can't lose again, and they get a chance to redeem themselves because they're going to get Ohio State in the shoe, so they've got that, and then, of course, if they face them again in the Big Ten title game. So everything is still out there for Wisconsin. We'll just have to wait and see how it all shapes up. Of course, you have the perfect playoff scenario, and that's still in play right now as we are past the halfway point of the college football season, and that, of course, is if Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State— LSU, Penn State, and Alabama, if four of them end the season undefeated, you've got them in the playoffs. Right now, I've got LSU, Ohio State, Alabama, and Oklahoma. So, of course, LSU and Alabama are not going to finish undefeated. So, if Clemson finishes undefeated and then Alabama... Or LSU, whoever wins that November 9th game, which has got some added drama based on what happened with Tua uh, Tungavailoa, which we will talk about in the segment when we talk about my beloved Tennessee Vols falling to the Crimson Tide for the 13th straight year. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. So we'll have to see how it all breaks down. But if you have, say, Oklahoma finishing undefeated, Clemson undefeated, Penn State finishing undefeated, and Alabama finishing undefeated, that's four and they're from four different conferences. They're all undefeated. You don't even need a selection committee if that happens, which would just be great, I think, at this point for college football, maybe to almost have a stress-free pick of your playoff scenario. But I doubt that's going to happen because, as you can see, with what's happened the last two weeks, Georgia going down as a 21-point favorite at home to South Carolina, and then you have wisconsin losing on the road to the fighting illini of illinois hats off to levy smith i know they've been looking for a big program building win there at illinois for some time a lot of people think levy smith might be on his way out we will have to wait and see as this is now all shaken up and lsu has uh lsu illinois the fighting illini are now hey they've got a big win and it's a it's a big win over a, a you know a top 10 team Illinois has been close, but then some of the times they just get blown out. So we'll have to see where Levy Smith ends up at the end of the season. But congratulations to the Fighting Illini making the plays when they needed to. Of course, Wisconsin doing their part with, again, just like Georgia. You had turnovers. You had just bad plays and things where you look back and scratch your head and say, how the heck did this happen? And that's how true upsets happen in college football, which was wonderful to see. got to love the big upsets when they're not happening. your team so let's take a look at some of the other things that are happening in the world of college football the ap top 25 came out and again you still have clemson even though they continue to win they also continue to drop in the polls clemson took care of louisville pretty handily 45 to 10 but trevor lawrence again did not have a very good game especially in the first half he made some really really bad throws and some really bad decisions But, hey, Clemson just so good overall. But, again, this is what people are seeing is that if Clemson somehow drops one of these games, guess what? They're out. They are not going to get a chance in the college football playoff, even just losing one game. I don't think anybody's going to give them a fair shake. So we'll have to, of course, break all that down and see what happens. But, again, I've got Clemson right now if everything was played. They're on my outside looking in. When it comes to the playoffs. Meanwhile, let's look at some of the other games that happened over the weekend. You, of course, had, when you break everything down, Oklahoma taking care of West Virginia. We'll have to see if one of these Big 12 teams is going to be able to stand up to them. Oklahoma taking care of what looked like their toughest competition as of yet. Taking care of Texas. And Texas, of course, had a real tough one with Les Miles and Kansas Texas needing a field goal at the gun to get rid of the fighting Les Miles there, the Jayhawks in Kansas. Which, again, that's just great. Even though Kansas wasn't able to get the win, man, it's great to see Les Miles back and coaching and going for the win in that game. So that was really exciting to see. And then you also look at, though, Baylor being able to get the win on the road as a undefeated underdog, which doesn't happen that much. And usually it's because, again, someone knows something that I don't know, and I'm going to go with the somebodies, as Lee Corso always says. But Baylor able to come from behind and just roll Oklahoma State out of there, 45-27. to 27. So is it going to be Baylor who's going to rise up and challenge the Sooners? We will have to see as the season, of course, progresses. Florida took a little while to get going, some terrible calls, and we'll talk about some terrible officiating here in a little bit. But Florida 38-27 over South Carolina, so of course that's going to set up the matchup as Georgia defeated Kentucky this week. So both of them now have a bye, which sets up, of course, the old cocktail party happening down in Jacksonville in a week and a half from this recording, which is always exciting. LSU continuing just to roll. Joe Burrow, a little bit of a slow start, but got things going. Took care of Mississippi State, 36-13. to Oregon continues to be a very impressive team. I love what Oregon has been doing. The defense took a slide back this time, but hey, you've got Herbert and that crew on the offense. Oregon able to come from behind and defeat a game Washington team, 35-31. to SMU staying undefeated, which has just been amazing. They've they've set this mark. What Sonny Dykes has been able to do down there has been great. I would love to almost see after this the death penalty and everything that, by the way, SMU readily deserved. Watch Pony Excess. Trust me. They deserved everything that happened to them. But to see them come up, I would love right now out of some of the teams that you have on that group of five that are wanting to get into... Not the college football playoff, but at least the New Year's Six Bowl games. I love seeing SMU there. I would love to see them at the end. Yeah, you've got Appalachian State, who's still undefeated. You've got Boise State, though, dropping because of their loss. Memphis is still there. Cincinnati is still a really good team. Cincinnati's only lost to a very good Ohio State team. So we'll have to see. But I would have to pick SMU out of all of them. I mean, come on. Out of just from the ashes, how long it's taken them to get back here. We'll see. But they're a sweetheart story right now, and I love seeing that in the world of college football. Minnesota continuing to row the boat, taking care of Rutgers. And there was a, just a great story that happened there in that Minnesota game, which I don't know if any of you guys have seen this one, but it's one of these stories that makes you just so happy to be a college football fan. You have Casey O'Brien. He was a player. He walked onto the field to hold for the extra point, um, as Minnesota was up at this point 27 to nothing against Rutgers because that's what everybody does against Rutgers. I'm pretty sure even Tennessee would be up 27 to nothing at some point against Rutgers. But hey, you know, it's an extra point he held for it, which whatever. Why, why should you care about that? It's because Casey O'Brien is a four time cancer survivor so it was just one of these um, emotional moments i know a lot of you remember when jake olsen who was the lifelong usc fan he made the team as a long snapper but he had had surgery his eyesight was gone he had to have surgery essentially the cancer and everything that was happening with his eyes he had to lose his sight he's completely blind and he was able to come onto the field and snap for an extra point with usc so now this kid's able to hold for that Which was just amazing. And uh, PJ Fleck, the head coach there, rowing the boat, just embraced O'Brien, and they just had a wonderful moment there. It was, O'Brien was diagnosed with ostearcoma it's a rare form of bone cancer as a freshman in high school he's gone through 14 surgeries and numerous rounds of chemotherapy He had not played a down for minnesota before saturday but he made it onto the field and it was just an amazing thing to see i hope he gets to do this at home too because it was in piscataway which is where rutgers is but i would love to see them do that for a minnesota home game as the the beavers of minnesota or the Beavers. Wow. Where am I? My wife went to Karn, so that's where all the beaver stuff, I guess, came from. Because we're definitely not talking about Oregon State as being some beavers. But the Golden Gophers of Minnesota have started the season 7-0 and for the first time since 1960 as a P.J. Fleck, their head coach, continues to row the boat for them, which was just amazing to see. So congratulations to all of that. Just a great moment all around. Mizzou. What the heck happened to them? I thought they were going to be at least vying for second place in the SEC East, and they still very well might get that, but they just stubbed their toe, losing to Vandy 21-14. to Meanwhile, Utah and Arizona State. Utah continuing to impress after the loss. Imagine if Utah had stayed undefeated and found a way to actually defeat you know, take care of business and defeat, for crying out loud, USC on that Friday night in Los Angeles a few weeks ago. We could be talking about Utah making a play for the national championship in the college football playoff. That is not going to happen. You have Penn State with the whiteout condition happening, took care of Michigan, effectively eliminating Michigan from any chance at a Big Ten, even little, not even a Big Ten title, not even a Big Big Ten Division, Eastern Division Championship at this point. They are out of that. And then, of course, I mentioned before, Boise State falling to BYU. So Tennessee not the only one to lose with BYU. So that was good to see. But, of course, the main thing here in Knoxville on Rocky Top that everybody is talking about is Tennessee falling to Alabama 35-13, to though it was a much closer game then the score showed for a lot of this game of course some of the big things that happened in the game if you go almost is a progression a progression rather and, of course, we'll break more of this down in detail when I've got Trey Pack in here a little bit later this week. So, of course, stay tuned for our college football preview edition. Of course, to keep tabs on all of that, you guys definitely need to subscribe to Modern Day Gladiators wherever you get your fine podcasts. You can check us out, of course, on Apple and Spotify and Google Play. Check us out there. Like, subscribe, share. If you just subscribe, give us those five-star reviews. It really helps put us out there, and that's how it can help us grow By leaps and bounds. We've already got the beautiful new studio, which I'm recording in right now, but this will help immensely. So we would love you guys forever if you are able to do that. Meanwhile, of course, you can also check out everything else that we've got at Outlander Media at OutlanderMedia.net. Where you can check out, of course, Haffle, DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, Scared Stupid, Geeks Inherited the Earth, so much more. Just great, great podcasts all over. Whatever you're interested in, we've got it for you here on Outlander Media. But again, we talk about what happened with Alabama and Tennessee. We had... Tennessee, just a a bad start to the game, didn't go too well. Alabama gets the ball on a short field, gets a quick touchdown. Uh, Tua looking really, really sharp, but then the only real mistake that he made while he was in the game was Alabama was driving to look like it was going to get up to 14 to nothing for Alabama very early in this game, but that was not the case as Nigel Warrior jumps up, makes the interception, and gets Tennessee in position to score a touchdown, which they are able to do, which was great to see. But then what ends up happening is Maurer, of course, starting the game again, was injured again for the second concussion in successive weeks, which we will, of course, debate and talk about a little bit more. And we'll see what his future beholds. But he was knocked out of the game, so Jarrett Garantano has to come in. Then you look, Alabama was able to take care of some business and extend the lead. But then Tua gets knocked out. So his backup has to come in, and his backup is not nearly as sharp. It was amazing to see, even though, again, Alabama has just probably the best wide receiver core I have seen in the, in so long in college football on one team like they've got. Tua makes up for so much for this Alabama team right now because when they were playing with their backup quarterback, it wasn't looking nearly as sharp and crisp. Alabama almost seemed to want to play how Tennessee played In the second half against Mississippi State, where they just relied on their defense and their running game, which, again, is not looking as Alabama sharp as they have been. I still think Alabama, with all the talent and everything they have, can still run the table and get into the playoff, but they've still got a long way to go. And again, we'll find out what happens with them November 9th against LSU. That's going to be the big one. But if Tua remains out, and now again, he's going to be out with a high ankle sprain with being out for the Arkansas game. So we have that already. We already know that's going to happen. Then Alabama has a bye week. Arkansas is almost a bye week when you look at things. And then LSU is happening. And it looks like he should be back for that game. We will have to see, of course. And, of course, we will talk all about that here on Modern Day Gladiators. But... Again, Tennessee was in this game, despite of some of the errors and just bad calls that they made. One of the things, again, that a lot of people aren't talking about as much, it seems to be where you talk about bad officiating, was it was a, Tennessee got back down inside the, the 10-yard line, and Jared Garantano went wide, so it looked like they were going to do a direct snap to Tim Jordan, but then the referee, and as Alabama was still adjusting, the referees just stopped play before the ball could be snapped and nobody gave an explanation it looks like it was probably to reset the play clock is the best guess that a lot of us have but nobody gave an explanation which just drove everybody insane drove me insane Tennessee ended up having to settle for a field goal at that point which was frustrating but then Tennessee again still down just one score and able to get some momentum we had forced Alabama with a three and out to start the second half And then we did it again. We forced them to a three and out. They got to the quarterback. But then Daryl Taylor pushes off to get up off the quarterback. And he pushes him a little bit, which, and again, we can dissect how many times we've seen it be much, much worse and not called in many types of football games. But it got called this time, which was very unfortunate because I, I I'm not going to throw that flag. I think, again, if that game wasn't in Tuscaloosa where the crowd really got onto the ref after what had happened, I don't think the ref's throwing that flag. If that was happening in Neyland, I don't think that was going to be a, a, a penalty. But that's what ended up happening, which was, again, very, very unfortunate and infuriating because then that kept the drive going. Alabama then went down right down the field and scored right after that. So they are up two scores. Tennessee, though, is able to come back and they're marching right down the field. They're making, some, they're driving against Alabama, which a lot of teams just cannot do. And Tennessee has not been able to do that for a lot of the seasons that Alabama has dominated this series, as long as Nick Saban has been there. But then the play that everybody knows what happened, the fumble, and you know what fumble I'm talking about, as it's fourth and goal from the six-inch line. And we all see what we all saw what happened. We know that Jared Garantano, for some reason, went rogue on that play and decided I, I don't know why. And again, Trey and I have after more time of thinking about it, we'll talk about it a lot more on the uh, college football preview edition of the podcast. But I, I just I do don't get it at this point because. We all know what happened. He went, tried to go over the top, fumbled the ball. It got knocked loose with the pursuit that Alabama had. And then the Alabama guy picked it up and ran 100 yards the other way for a touchdown. And that was the final score, 35-13. to Still have no idea what Jaron Garantano was thinking. And we're not going to know. Because there's no way Tennessee is ever going to make him available for media opportunities at this point. We're never going to find it out and obviously it was broken down by a lot of people on ESPN and wherever you can check my Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. I retweeted uh, one of the the analysts breaking it down where the play was obviously designed to be a handoff either to uh, the fullback or the running back from an I formation to the left because you have Trey Smith pulling and you have other guys Uh, sealing in on that left side. And of course, with Trey Pack being an offensive lineman, a former offensive lineman, he can break that down a lot more for us. But you can see it from the replay. It shows that it was designed to go that way. And he would have, whoever had the ball, probably could have walked into the end zone. It was sealed perfectly on that side. And it just didn't happen. Garantano fumbles it, and it runs the other way. And if Tennessee scores there, guess what? Then it's 20 to 28, and a lot of these fans have not seen a lot of close games there in Bryant-Denny Stadium, so it could get a little nervous with the momentum and where everything goes, but instead it just happens the other way. And, of course, Jeremy Pruitt was very upset as, of course, he, he grabbed Garantano's face mask. I'm not saying he should have done that. I'm someone who believes at this point the way the game and things have changed in the world, you just don't grab a player's face mask anymore. Now, should I say he should be run out of town on a rail? No. You have a talk with him. Former can just sit him down, and they, they might have already done that and had a discussion about it. And then it's gone. It's over. We don't have to worry about it anymore. This is something you don't have to overreact to, but it's, you still shouldn't be grabbing players' face masks anymore. That's just—and this isn't anything about less masculinity or any stupid argument that you may have for that. And if you want to argue with me about this, hit me up, Michael underscore Shibley. But it's something—you—you you know why he was mad. And yes, you, you you don't do that anymore, but my goodness, everybody just calm down just a little bit. We're going to be fine. We're going to get through this. So after all of that, really, besides for lousy quarterback play, Tennessee played much better in this football game. The, the, the defensive line was able to get some pressure on the quarterback. They were able to dial up some blitzes and do some things, whether it was with Tua or the backup. And then you have the offensive line was able to block a lot better not only on that one play where Tennessee should have scored the touchdown but Tennessee was able to run the ball quite well better than they have in years against Alabama so those are some things to look forward to as now we are in the back half of the season where again it's a big question is Mauer going to play he has suffered now two concussions in a row which is not good because the only way you're going to get more concussions is if you're already concussed And your head and brain has not had time to heal. It's just going to open the door for quicker and more frequent concussions. So personally, I would not put him in to this South Carolina game. But now the question is, do you start Garantano or do you start JT Shrout? And again, me personally, and this might be an unpopular opinion. I've got a poll up on the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook page. So if you follow us there, you can vote your opinion right there as well. I've got it up. But I would personally start Garantano because I still think he gives you the best chance to win. I don't think Shrout and again I could have I was pretty wrong with Maurer really after watching them play at the Chattanooga game, but I really don't think Shrout is ready to go because again, that's why Garantano keeps coming in as the backup, because Shroud's not ready. And you know, I don't even want to know where Garantano's head is at at this point going into this game against South Carolina. Because if he is the starter, that crowd, and we need them to be in full voice to help defeat South Carolina. Because South Carolina is also playing better than they had at the start of the season. They upset Georgia and they gave Florida everything they wanted in the slop, in the rain, this last Saturday. So we'll have to see, but man, the crowd needs to just get behind this team. No matter who is at quarterback, and, and again, I'm, I'm, I am not one, we've talked about this plenty, I'm not one to boo a college kid. I'm not going to do it. So we'll just wait and see what ends up happening there. But hey, Tennessee, if they can come out and beat South Carolina, especially if Garantano starts and looks okay, I'll feel a lot better. So we'll just have to see, and again, We'll break more of this down and get into bigger detail on it on the Friday show of Modern Day Gladiators with myself and Mr. Too Hot for TV, Mr. Trey Pack. So stay tuned for that. Of course, we got to finish up this segment with my goodness, the World Series is starting tonight. I am excited. I love the World Series. It's just one of the things you love, it's America's pastime. It's just great. You've got two great—you've had the Nationals sweep the Cardinals out, which was amazing because that usually does not happen to the St. Louis Cardinals. And then you had, my goodness, the Yankees had been able to force a game six back in Houston, which was interesting. Of course, the Astros had the lead 4-2 to two going into the, going in to the top of the ninth inning and then all of a sudden, boom! Home run. The game is now tied, going into the bottom of the ninth. And Jose Altuve, bless his heart, all five six of him. So, and as myself being a guy who was five six, I just have mad respect for Altuve. But with two outs, bottom of the ninth, and a runner on, he gets a slow slider that he takes out of the ballpark for a home run, a walk off home run. The Astros are going back to their second World Series in three years, which was just amazing to see. And now that sets up some of the best pitching matchups you were ever going to see in a World Series, especially now when you talk about all the stupid analytics and things that they have going on now in the World Series and in baseball and everything. But my goodness, look at Game 1. Tonight, you've got Scherzer versus Cole. And then on Game 2, you've got Strasburg versus Verlander. And then you've got Granke versus Corbin for Game 3. I mean, this is some of the best pitching you are ever going to see in baseball. So make sure to check it out. And if these offenses, who have been okay in this postseason, if they're able to get it done, it's going to be a phenomenal World Series. My pick, I've got the Houston Astros in 6. They did win the most games this season. They're a heavy betting favorite. But I don't think it's going to be... the. I'm still picking the Astros to win, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think because, again, the great starting pitching that both sides have, you can't go wrong with that. It's going to be an incredible World Series. You guys should all check it out and of course you need to check out everything else going on at outlandermedia.net with all the other great podcasts which i did mention previously but we are going to take a quick break but when we come back it's the world of shibbles and bits and everything going on in the world of professional wrestling you're listening to the modern day gladiators podcast here on the outlander media network (laughs) <laughs> yes, breaking into the new studio. We still, of course, have the Pink Panther theme here on Modern Day Gladiators. That's not going anywhere. So hopefully, you guys will enjoy that one. My goodness, it is time. You hear the music. You know it's time for shibbles and bits. But of course, we got to thank all the great sponsors that we have here at OutlanderMedia.net. I have a brain fart there as I'm still messing with the controls here in the new studio. So thank you guys for your patience as we get things going. But anyway, we got to thank Joe Shirt, JoeShirt.com. These guys are amazing. You need to help your brand, whatever it is, whether you're a stand-up comedian, a kickball team, a family reunion a bowling team, whatever. Joe Shirt can help you out with some great designs, great templates. They've got the staff that can help make it happen. They've been in business for over 30 years right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. Some amazing rates. If you've got an idea for putting your logo on something else that's not a shirt, a banner, a mug, a computer, anything, anything that you can think of, Joe Shirt Deluxe, they can really help you with that as well. So give them a call or check them out, JoeShirt.com. And get all the information there. And, of course, we also have to thank Otherworldly Coffee. These guys are amazing. They've got great, great coffee brands. You've got, of course, you've got the Bigfoot uh, Bigfoot Blend, the Dogman Blend, the Mothman Blend. Any of these to get you up and get you going on your day, you need to check them out. It's otherworldlycoffee.com. Again, if you're someone who sucks down way too many energy drinks... This is something else you can give a shot with, and it will just blow your brains off. So just check them out. Again, OtherworldlyCoffee.com, and at checkout, use the code OUTLANDER in all caps. So shout it at us, OUTLANDER in all caps, at checkout, and you're going to get 20% off your order, and that'll cover way more than taxes and shipping. So check them out, OtherworldlyCoffee.com, and of course, thanks, Joe Shirt at JoeShirt.com for their continued support here. ...of the Outlander Media family. But here we are. It's Modern Day Gladiators. It's time for shivels and Bits. And of course, we got to start with Lane Kiffen, a favorite here on Modern Day Gladiators. When we were talking about the coaching search, or at least the idea of it when Tennessee was going through that... ...I would have been one of these guys who, even despite all the bridges that Lane Kiffin had burned on his way out of Knoxville to accept the USC head coaching job which I argued in the first place was going to be the only place he was going to go that wasn't Tennessee, and when that job came open, that he was going to go. That just It didn't surprise me as much as it seemed like a lot of other people were shocked at that. But uh, Lane Kiffin, of course, now down at Florida Atlantic and seems to be very comfortable down there. But he <laughs> made a tweet that showed, uh, it was a picture uh, and he, sh- he added Conference USA, which is the conference that Florida Atlantic is a part of. And uh, it showed it's got a picture of three referees uh, with the with the heavy dark sunglasses and the seeing eye dogs and the canes walking around. So he was not happy with the officiating, which a lot of Tennessee fans would totally agree with at this point when it comes to uh, officiating. He was upset again as uh, Florida Atlantic dropped 36 to 31 to Marshall on Friday, which dropped FAU to four and three on the season. The it, uh, the lead changed times uh, four times in the final 10:09, and then uh, Braden Knox for the Thundering Herd got a 17-yard touchdown run with 36 seconds to go to put Marshall up for good. But, uh, Lynn Kevin, after that tweet, uh, he was fined $5,000 and, uh, Conference Tuesday publicly reprimanded him on Sunday for violating the league's sportsmanship policy, which, again, is something, and it's something I've talked about before. Everybody else is held accountable, publicly, when you screw something up, but officials always seem to get a pass, and it bothers me on at least on a level like that where are you kidding me with a lot of this stuff when you look at what refs go and again i don't want to be a ref that's one of the things that i always talk about where you talk about participation in youth sports being down who wants to be a referee at this point anymore i've seen too many youtube videos of people violently attacking elementary school refs so i'm not going to say that but they still need to be held accountable. We need to be able to ask them almost why they made some of the decisions that they made. So I can understand why Lane Kiffin was upset. But uh, he, he also got a good troll on LeBron James as well, saying as he was talking to ESPN, I just lost $5,000 for a, tw- a tweet. And then he says, we had freedom of speech, but I guess around here, there's no such thing as freedom to tweet. Maybe LeBron James will come out and comment about it tomorrow, which of course is the dig at LeBron James uh, talking about what happened with the NBA and China. So, gotta love Lane Kiffin. He is a favorite here on Modern Day Gladiators. Speaking of the NBA, they have now come out with a zero tolerance policy for abusive and hateful fan behavior. It's They've noticed that apparently it's been getting worse at games. I mean, we've had some very public uh, ones that happened with incidents involving Russell Westbrook, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyle Lowry. I mean, you even had Mark Stevens, a minority partner with the Golden State Warriors ownership group who, you know, shoved Lowry. Meanwhile, Westbrook and Cousins were subject to racist taunts in Salt Lake City and Boston. And again, they've taken certain steps, but now it looks like they're going to up that. It's going to be really interesting to see, though, what the idea comes to for that. Because again, during that preseason game in Philadelphia, right after all the stuff about China with the, the, the tweets and everything that happened, the pro Hong Kong tweet that the Houston Rockets general manager went out and tweeted then you had some fans who were in the arena enchanting Free Hong Kong and holding up Free Hong Kong signs, and they were asked to leave. So it's going to be really interesting, the line that the NBA is trying to walk here. We'll have to wait and see what comes of this. And Right now, you know the NBA is just hoping that once the games start where they start tonight, uh, my pick, I've got the Clippers winning it. That's my pick. I'm going to go with it. Why not? So I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers, mostly because I just don't want LeBron James to win another title. But I'm going to pick the Clippers to get the win to uh, go from there. So, But we'll see once games start, is this whole China thing going to blow over? We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see if any more fans show up in the arena and are going to be pro-democracy and uh, fighting for and you know protesting for the rights for Hong Kong. So we'll see where that all goes. Meanwhile, college basketball, which is getting underway very shortly. The uh, Tennessee Vols, of course, looking to get back to the NCAA tournament for the third consecutive season under Rick Barnes. The preseason AP Top 25 came out. Of course, who the heck knows what's going to end up with this. Basketball is a lot more fluid than football even is in college. But Michigan State is number one in the AP preseason men's basketball poll for the first time. You would think under Tom Izzo they would have gotten... A number one at some point, but that has not happened. Of course, they're led by Cassis Winston. So we'll have to see. They topped 60 of the 65 ballots in voting results released Monday. Of course, you've got Kentucky and Kansas and Duke at 2, 3, and 4. You've got Louisville, Florida, Maryland, Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Villanova rounding out your top 10. What's really interesting, for the first time, I think in a long, long time, both Virginia at 11 and Texas Tech at 13, the two teams that played in the finals of the college basketball tournament, are outside the top 10. So that was really interesting to see. Of course, then you look at at some of the other things that are happening where you've got conferences you have the ACC Big Ten and SEC each having four ranked teams in there so you've got a a team from at least 10 different conferences so there's a lot of parity here in the college basketball preseason poll we'll have to see where it all of course ends at the end of the season of course SEC wise you've got the Kentucky Wildcats up there at number two Florida at number six then you've got LSU down at 22 and Auburn at 24 meanwhile Tennessee is in the other receiving votes right now they would be 28th if the poll went that far down so we'll see what happens of course looking forward to the Vols uh, losing a lot of talent but still have plenty of talent left there for Rick Barnes and the Big Orange we'll see where that all goes also talking about getting rid of the fun police, as, of course, Lane Kiffin was critical of the refs. Speaking of officials, we have a lot of that happening on this week's show. Georgia's Southern and Coastal Carolina players, uh, during the fourth quarter, between the third and fourth quarters, there was um, some play Georgia Southern plays a hype song over the loudspeakers before the start of the fourth quarter in every game. And on Saturday, they were playing Mo Bamba. And it came on the loudspeakers. The Georgia Southern players just threw four fingers up, and then they started dancing, bringing the juice, as they like to call it. And then it looked like the Coastal Carolina players were also dancing around. No, nobody. It wasn't like one of those pushing and shoving matches like you had last week at the Oklahoma-Texas game there in the Cotton Bowl. But I guess the refs didn't find any of this funny, even though the players were about 20 yards apart. They threw the unsportsmanlike conduct penalties so now there were two players on each team that already had a unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So it's a lot like the card system in soccer, where after the second one you're out. So you had Georgia Southern's Jay Bowdry and Coastal Carolina's Te'Kelle Holmes, or two of the three that were kicked out of the game just for dancing again that's a fun police type thing that was just really annoying uh the game also went into triple overtime before georgia southern got the win 32 27 so very exciting the game there in uh action in the Sun Belt conference meanwhile this one not so fun an alabama student was accused of a bomb threat at lsu and again Alabama and LSU don't play each other for quite—November 9th is when they play each other, but according to a police affidavit obtained uh, by WBRZ in Baton Rouge, Connor Bruce Cole, 19, of Crozet, Virginia, he was arrested and jailed Sunday as a fugitive from justice as he—an Alabama— Freshman, So he's in Alabama, but they're trying to get him to Baton Rouge. He called in a bomb threat during the Tigers' 42-28 win because a friend of his was on the verge of losing a large bet. So just make a bomb threat and cause people to get threatened, which is just stupid on so many levels. Again, betting, it's it's not worth it. Seriously, especially now you're 19 years old. You've got a felony on your record. So, you don't do that over betting. Guess what? Your friend was dumb enough to bet a large amount of money on something like that? Guess what? He's going to have to face it. Calling in a bomb threat is not going to get the game canceled enough for them to lose money. It was just stupid in so many ways. But uh, let's wrap it up here with a couple of really cool things to see. One, in golf. Makes me feel a lot better sometimes about the way I golf. Uh, Leanne Walker. She was playing in... uh. The Senior LPGA Championship, uh, Leanne Walker, she hadn't played in a couple of years, She, but she was, you know, doing okay. Hey, I'd take rounds of 85 and 74 on the Senior LPGA Championship, at the French, French Lick Resort in Indiana, but uh, she realized, I guess this rule had been added since the last time she had played, that players can no longer putt when their caddies have been standing directly behind them. So, uh, she had to add 42 penalty shots to her first round, turning that into a 127, and then 16 more penalty shots to the second round, turning that into a 90. But, uh, at least Walker kept her humor about it, saying, I may have have made the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, So, but again, the rules change, and, you know, hey... You gotta, you gotta abide by the rules, and while some of the rules in golf are really stupid, and it gets really annoying for a long time, they've backed off on this a little, where people could call in penalty infractions, which I think is ridiculous, as we've talked about on this show before, but she she would've missed the cut anyway, but it only would've been by one shot, but instead she had to, instead of an 85 and a 74, uh, on her rounds she ended up with a 127 and a 90 so as we say here in the south bless her heart when it comes to that and then a couple of other good samaritans out there in the world of professional sports harrison barnes the sacramento kings uh forward and his wife and then uh former vol current philadelphia eagles defensive tackle malik jackson have now offered to pay for the funeral of um uh, or I'm sorry, Adetiana Jefferson, uh, who was the woman in Fort Worth, Texas, who was killed inside her home by police, who went out there for a welfare check. She was playing video games with her eight-year-old nephew when a police officer making that wellness check fired through the window. The officer uh, did not... Uh, they didn't identify themselves as police, and the shot was fired, and of course that officer has now resigned from the police force, but also is been uh, charged with murder, but again, just... Good guys going out there and doing good things with Harrison Barnes and Malik Jackson doing the right thing and paying for funeral expenses, which is something that no family or anybody wants to have to go through. So tough things there as we wrap up shibbles and bits. Also, though, of course, we've got to check the NFL power rankings as the Patriots. I still have them number one. They took care of the Jets. The 49ers in the slop taking care of the Washington Redskins. Whew. That was It was really cool, though, seeing all the guys sliding in the mud and all that fun stuff, in the, as they say in uh, Johnny Cash, the boy named Sue, kicking in and gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer. So I've got my 49ers doing good things and doing work, which I'm always happy to see. Got to love my Niners. They're still undefeated, which makes me very happy. But the Saints, again, five games in a row they've won without Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater doing great things. Drew Brees might be back this week. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers on fire right now. The Chiefs still hanging around. The Bills looking great, even with that one loss to the Patriots. The Ravens doing work. Vikings looking amazing. I've got the Panthers up there as well. Just great games overall so far this NFL season. But my top five, I've got the Patriots, the 49ers, the Saints, the Packers, and the Chiefs. So take with that what you will as we are... Almost to the halfway point of the NFL regular season. Meanwhile, we'll move quickly here into the world of professional wrestling. AEW Dynamite continues to impress. My goodness, last week's show you had, of course, the tag team tournament going. SCU defeating the Best Friends. You also had the Lucha Bros taking on and defeating the Jurassic Express which was just a fun matchup. You had uh, John Moxley and Pac uh, facing off in a tag team match against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. But Page and Omega were able to get the win as John Moxley was trying to go just crazy again. And it's a big thing that they emphasize in AEW is that wins and losses matter. So when John Moxley was going to hit uh, and do some damage with a foreign object. Pack stood in his way and said, hey, I don't want to get disqualified, I don't want to lose this, and then Moxley punched Pack, and uh, he ate the pin in that one, so coming up this week, which is just going to be amazing, you're going to have Jon Moxley taking on Pack, which is just going to be great, I can't wait for that one, I have a feeling it's not going to end clean, I think there's going to be some sort of chicanery going on there, but we'll just have to wait and see. And then, of course, you had Rio defending her title against Britt Baker in a just a wonderful women's match. And then Jericho getting the first full defense of his AEW Championship against Darby Allen, which a Darby Allen has made a great name for himself already in AEW. It's been amazing to watch, uh, but. Jericho, just too much. Of course, he had some help from Jake Hager and his inner circle buddies. And, of course, they celebrated with a little bit of the bubbly there at the end. So we'll have to see where Dynamite goes. But it makes me excited. They make me want to tune in next week, unlike Raw, where it looks like I can just go away for weeks at a time and not even watch Monday Night Raw and still just be right there and see what happened. So Raw has done nothing for me. SmackDown ratings, again, continue to kind of drop back to probably where they're going to end up on average. You had the big, you know, surge in week 1. We'll see what happens. Of course, it's going to be a big indicator because this week they're going to be on FS1 because of the World Series is happening on Fox, which of course makes sense. But the big news, of course, coming out of SmackDown is Bailey has now she had her heel turn and of course, when asked why, it's the trope because again, you should have a reason why you are a heel, why you have Made this big change. But of course she went with the normal trope. I don't know any of you an explanation. Which just drives me insane. That's just lazy and just bad writing. At this point. Come up with something. Anything I'll take at this point. Meanwhile NXT is continuing to lose the battle. In the Wednesday Night War. As of right now. Ratings are dropping for NXT. I think one of the things though. Is NXT needs to leave Full Sail University. Because you've got these arenas holding... 10,000 people, where AEW Dynamite is. Meanwhile, Full Sail, what have they got, 300 people in there? Which is a great atmosphere, but it just looks like there's just nowhere near as many people. So, I think that's going to be an issue we'll have to see. Of course, pushing it to two hours, what type of, and again, NXT was always taped. They taped it in cycles. Where and then they were able to go back and edit out mistakes and do different things because, again, NXT is your developmental territory, but now it looks like it's just another brand. So, and again, you've got great stars there. You've got, you know, Ciampa and Gargano and the Undisputed Era and the Velveteen Dream and all of those guys and and more. But right now, are they going to be able to step up and be something that's worthwhile watching for two hours what made it so unique again was it was at full sale but it was only for an hour on the wwe network which is why people really really enjoyed it so we'll have to wait and see what happens there i'm i'm anxious to see what type of creative ideas they're going to come up with for nxt because i love nxt i love they have put on the takeover shows are just top to bottom some of the best high quality wrestling you are going to see no matter where you are so We'll have to see what changes come to NXT, but my first thing would probably be to leave Full Sail and do some just kind of you know mid-size arenas, almost like Dynamite's doing. Maybe even a little smaller, but make it look like it's a little bit bigger and better than just the 300-plus people you get at Full Sail University. That's going to wrap up this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. Of course, wherever you listen, please, again, hit us up with those five-star reviews. They make so much. Just give us the five stars. If I've made you think about something or you want to debate me on something, again, those five stars, they mean a lot. It helps spread the word to all of us here at Outlander Media. But again, just find it. You listen to us on Apple. It just go right there. Leave a review. Leave a comment. Just say, hey, he's smart. He's good looking. Apparently, he's good looking. I don't know. Just come up with something. Write it in that comment section. Give us the five stars. I would love you forever. I appreciate it. Until next time, too sweet. Love ya. Adios.